the story behind the story. This is Billy Hallowell. All right, so this is great. I'm excited to have you two here today. We're doing a podcast and a Facebook Live at the same time. Yeah, we'll see how that it's, works. Yeah. We'll, see how, we'll see how that works. So for those who are tuning in, who are watching, I'm Billy Hollowell. Um, I'm a senior editor at faithwire.com. I'm here with Mason Wells, That's Tyler Vettos. There you go. And, you know, this is interesting because, you know, Mason, you've been dancing, running, skipping around New York. Um, <laughs> really, though, running around Literally New York. dancing. Yeah. Yes. Literally yeah, sure, dancing. Sure. Um, telling your story. And you have this incredible story that you were gracious enough to bring Tyler and I in to work on with you, this amazing book. And I say it's amazing not because we all wrote it together, <laughs> um, but because it really is an incredible story. And the book is Left Standing. And, um, you know, I just, we've not had a chance to, the three of us, sit down outside of phone calls and meetings and, you know, all the things that go into making a book to talk about the project. And now that it's out there and people are having a chance to hear from you, um, because you have a very busy schedule and you weren't doing a lot of media until this week, right? No. Um, because you decided you're going to go to the U.S. Naval Academy and uh, be awesome. They, they, they keep me pretty busy. Yeah, <laughs> they keep you pretty busy. <laughs> Up at zero five thirty. Uh, oh yeah, whenever you email me, you're using military time, and I'm like, wait a minute, I got to like in I'm, my uh, head. Yeah, I, I try to change it for Tyler sometimes because I know he stresses out over things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. I use that at work too. So okay. so okay. Well, yeah, I'm I'm the only incompetent one. Um, <laughs> But no, so I really, on a really serious note, for those who don't know, um, for listeners and those watching, um, you know, this is a book that covers your story. You survived, you directly survived two terror attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you were at the Boston bombing with your family and then the Brussels terror attack um, in the airport there in 2016. And you really suffered physically in that Brussels attack. Um, but one of the things, and I remember covering your story before, you know, really before we ever met and, mm-hmm. and knowing about it and reading about it and then having a chance to meet you, it's phenomenal to me that you've been able to journey through this the way that you have. So I guess I'll stop talking. I want to let you start oh. talking, but hey, you're like, thank God he's going to stop talking. <laughs> um, wh- how looking back, and this is a loaded question, but we'll just go mm-hmm. there. How looking back do you process the fact that you as one individual being Mm-hmm. has been through multiple terror attacks. Well, I think maybe I should give the listeners an idea of my injuries for those that don't know. I mean, I had second-degree burns to the face, to the right side of my head, shrapnel lacerations to the head, third-degree burn to the right hand, first-degree to the left. Um, I had you know, shrapnel peppering my legs. I had a blast on my left heel. I mean, I was in pretty bad shape, needless to say. And it, it's definitely been a long road. Um, the idea of being surrounded by these things... It can be a little frustrating. Um, I, I know when I was serving as a missionary for my church over in northern France during the Charlie Hebdo attacks and during the Paris bombings, it was it was frustrating because I was in a different part of the world and these things were still happening around me. Right? You think that you think that if I went to the other side of the world that I, I would never have any any cross with terrorism ever again, but it was the exact opposite. And a lot of those reflections, of course, are in the book, as you yeah. know. Uh, but you know, after going through Brussels. It's made me realize that the things that happen in our lives don't define us. And I've had to decide that for myself and realize that for myself and internalize that. Um, and any one of us, d- despite the, the adversity we encounter or the trials we go through, we can we can be the ones to make our lives what we want. And I think that's how I approach this and how I uh, cope 
per se yeah. with, with everything. That's how I've gotten past my, my post-traumatic stress is by realizing that my life is what I make it. And I don't need to be defined by these horrible acts, even though they, they may change uh, my life momentarily. And, and that's amazing. And I think just to give people a sense of the timeline, right? Boston happened. You know, you were there at Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's obviously an effect, whether you're physically injured or not, and you weren't in that attack. Um, there's an effect of being somewhere when something that traumatic happens, right? Mm-hmm. Then, as you said, you go overseas and you're working as a missionary over there and you are in France and you're seeing the things that are happening in France with, with mm-hmm. terror that's unfolding there. And I imagine you're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, here we are again. And then you go to Brussels and you're a, a victim, as you described your injuries, in a really horrific attack once mm-hmm. again. I mean, that is like the odds on that. What do you think the odds are that that I, could I happen? I don't want to know the odds. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, it's it's insane. The odds of one terror attack are very slim, right? Being mm-hmm. in one, we hear about them all the time, but the reality is, it, well, yeah, and you yeah. never you never picture yourself in one, right? Right. And w- once these sorts of things happen, there's not necessarily a lot of things you can do to prepare. You just kind of have to deal with it in the moment as well. Now, your story captured international attention. I remember at the time, before I knew you, and before we knew this book, <laughs> Left Standing, would be coming, um, it was everywhere, and people wanted to hear from you and talk to you. You were an American who was injured overseas, and so that was a big thing for a lot of the outlets, you know, mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Um, now, at what point did you meet Tyler? And I guess, Tyler, you tell me. That. How yeah, did that's you, a, that's how did a you funny two... story, actually. Tyler can do that one. Tell it. Tell you us. sure? That. You yeah, the Freedom Festival. Yeah. We were at a fr- the Freedom Festival. It's a big national festival they do in Provo, Utah, but it's a nationally recognized. Sean Hannity's hosted it before. Um, Glenn Beck, others. So it's really a national thing. But Mason was there and I don't remember how exactly we... Yeah, it was, it was a Freedom Festival gala. I, I remember, yeah. so we, we walked into the gala itself, and my mom recognized Tyler from the story about the... Tyler's story. Over, yeah, from Tyler's story. Can I just give a quick recap? Yeah, yeah, go ahead with Tyler's story. Actually, right, wait, right. wait, no, I want well, Tyler I mean, to... Why am I giving yeah, recaps? Yeah, Tyler. Tell us, because Tyler... Before you, t- I'm just gonna. Tyler has this crazy story that I also had covered before I knew Tyler. I had written about Tyler's story and had not met him yet. So, so tell us quickly your story so that it don't have to be too like quick. Like the but short version, the short, yeah, the short like version. the short, short version, the short elevator version. pitch of this, the story. This interview is about Mason, but no, it was. Uh, I'm a police officer full time and had an incident with a car that was overturned and upside down in a river. And when we had got there. Um, We'd heard a voice direct us to the car that said, help me. So we thought, okay, someone's trapped in the car and, and they're, you know, alive in there. So we were able to flip the car over. Water was running through it in the river. And uh, we saw that the, there was a mom that was had been dead for hours and her uh, young infant daughter was unconscious in the back. So yeah. Tyler um, was part of the uh, yeah. the officers that responded and yeah, helped so, save the baby. Yeah, so one of the ones that was there. And it was just something after that that it's like, okay, what was this voice? what guided us and it really changed a lot for me as far as I was kind of in the dump spiritually speaking and so that really just kind of did a 360 for me yeah. so I, I wrote a book about that and then that was called uh, what's the name of your book get a little plug in for proof it. of angels proof Good. of angels Good. yeah so I did proof of angels and then it was you know doing speaking engagements and things and that's where yeah freedom so I, yeah I run I we passed Tyler and my mom says hey that that's a police officer that found little baby and of course i was in europe at the time I, yeah well, so you didn't yeah, yeah. It, was, it was right before so it's like what are you talking it's like about? mid-march right and i got <laughs> injured in late march and so I, I had no idea what she was talking about uh new but i i felt like i should introduce myself i did and uh tyler i think i was i was really intrigued by his story he was captivated by mine and Absolutely. then next thing you know tyler's saying hey 
um, have you thought about sharing your story? And I said, well, I, I've shared it from right. my hospital bed, right? right. Granted, I was kind of out of it at right. the time. And uh, he said, no, like, I really think this is something you could share with more people. And at the time, I wanted nothing to do with the book. I, I didn't want the attention associated with it. I didn't, I didn't want people to think that I was making light of a really heavy situation. Right. And it would just wasn't something that appealed to me. Right. Um, Tyler was one of the first in a, in a line of people that convinced me that, hey, sharing the story in a book format, really getting your thoughts out there and organized might, might do a lot to help people. And um, it was a long process, as you got, as you know, Billy, yes. but we, we eventually got there and, and now we're here. And now we're here. And it's it's crazy because I didn't actually think about that, the stories, where your stories happened in the timeline of March, right? That, yeah. And that you hadn't he- heard his. Now, I had heard both of your stories and didn't know you, and I interviewed you, Tyler, mm-hmm. in New York. You came with your wife and you were doing, you were talking about your book. Right. And, um, you know, we got to know each other a little bit and then you called me, we kept in contact, you called me and you, he told me about you and I said, yeah, of course I know that story. And then we all got together and, you know, the process of putting a book together is kind of crazy. I oh, think, you know, people don't talk gracious. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have a degree in journalism. You know how lost I was for half of this? So oh, I think goodness. like, say when I met Mason that night and I, I was really, really touched, you gave the prayer at that. Yeah, that gala, yeah. and I was so touched by his story. Honestly, like his story and seeing it before, and then I was so touched that night. And I went home, and I I laid awake all night that night. And I think it was the next day or a couple of days later that I it just kept bothering me. Like this story, he's got to share this message. But what better way than I mean, you could go to an article, you could go out on the news and share it today, but people forget. Where a book you can go pick up. You can have forever. It can be by your bedside, whatever, something you I can I feel open. like people can dive into that a little more than just yeah, some... Yeah, so it's piece. something yeah. that, you know, you can have forever. I mean, for books have been around forever, so it's something important. So, But when, when Mason said, yeah, I want to share this story, it was like, okay, you know, I've written a book, you know, my background's in journalism, but I'm, it's something's missing with this project, and I think somebody, we need someone to help us really round it and tell it 100% how it needs to be. And uh, that's what I thought. No better man for it. And then you Billy, called me. Billy and, and, B- I called Billy and, and we got together. And, and, and B- Billy Hallowell. Well, and we met and we talked about it. And, yeah. you know, yeah. I said to you, I want you to, you know, this is a story that I believe is really important. But I, I think I remember saying to you, I want you to be comfortable. If this is something that you want, yeah. I definitely am interested. And we were able to work on this over the last year. It's over a year now that we've been working on this project. It's been a long right? time. Yeah. It's been a long time. And, um, you know, and one thing just for anybody who's watching on our on our Facebook Live, um, if there's any mic that sounds, you know, not as loud as another one, um, you know, sorry about that. Uh, but those who are listening to this, you will hear us wonderfully on our podcast. Um, yeah. So it's great. And you know, look, I, I want to also focus in here on forgiveness because I think, you know, for your story, I mean, like you've gone through multiple attacks, right? Mm-hmm. You've had, you've experienced the ugliness of humanity, the evil of humanity, the things that people hope would never, ever happen to them. You've gone through them multiple times mm-hmm. and you have chosen to have, you know, a very hopeful and positive outlook after that. And you could, somebody who's gone through what you have might take a very different route. Why for you have you chosen hope and forgiveness? Well, what's interesting is you talk about forgiveness, and forgiveness was something I was able to, to come to terms with fairly early. And I think a lot of people, some people may expect that this story is, oh, just about finding uh, forgiveness. And finding forgiveness is a huge part of it, but it's also finding the hope afterwards, finding the, the long-term uh, approach to, to overcoming traumatic events in life. 
um, forgiveness, forgiveness, what was, you know, it happened pretty quickly and there, there were some frustration, frustrations afterward I had to come to terms with and, um, some emotions I had to grapple with. Uh, but ultimately, um, it's not, it's, the human condition is one we're just prone to th- those sorts of things, right? And dealing with trauma, dealing with uh, illness, dealing with sickness, they're, they're not things that are unique, I think, to me. Uh, but what I can say is, you know, not, not everyone's you know, blown up by terrorists, right? That, no. That's, that's something no. that's a little little beyond the everyday. And I think because of what I, I experienced, it definitely, for me, allowed me to learn things that I, that I wouldn't have otherwise learned. And um, I'm not going to say that I, I'm thankful for being blown up, but I'm thankful for the insights that God has helped me to realize as a result of this. And I think, too, it's important. You mentioned your injuries, but to paint the picture, I mean, how many weeks, how many months of recovery did you have to go through after Brussels? Uh, I mean, I was in the hospital for a week in Belgium, another six and a half weeks at the University of Utah. Uh, I was stuck to a bed another month and a half or so after that, and I wasn't walking without a limp until about 10 months out, eight months out. Which is, cra- which is crazy. And we That's first crazy. met in person in August of 2016. I was still limping when I met yes. you guys. Yeah. You were, yeah, and and it's um now and and the reason the other element in this book and I don't want to give away all of it because mm-hmm. I think it's I really think it's a book that people can learn a lot from is this notion of being able to overcome. I think a lot of us get beaten down, we get discouraged, we get depressed, we get upset about what's going on in our lives. And in your case, you had every reason limping in a hospital bed, not sure what your future was, to be discouraged. Yet you had a dream that you wanted to recognize, and you mm-hmm. didn't give up on that dream. Tell us about that dream, and tell us about how you recognized well, it. That's actually that's an interesting story, right? Uh, my aspiration has always been to go to the U.S. Naval Academy. And for those that don't have any background with, with a service academy, the Naval Academy is kind of like the Navy's equivalent of West Point, only it's a little better because of West Point's Army, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So You're it, not biased. Plug yeah, 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 no a little bias. bit beat Army. Uh, but it's it's pretty competitive. It's difficult. There's physical evaluations, medical evaluations. You have to have pretty good academic performance, extracurricular performance. And so it's kind of this aspiration I had growing up. And I applied out of high school, and I, I got my congressional nominations uh, for my congressman, but I didn't actually get in. And so it was like it was for for me, it felt like a complete failure. It felt like all felt like all those things I'd been working towards were completely in vain. Um, Fast forward 20 months, now I'm injured, now I'm in a hospital, now I can't walk, I can't even write with my right hand. Uh, I, I, I almost gave up on that dream. Why? What was it in you in those moments when you were struggling and suffering that made you not give up? Like what? Because it's so easy to give up. It's easier uh-huh. to give up. It, it, well, yeah, and it's, it's very easy when you go through these types of events to be drawn to bitterness and to anger and to hate and to become cynical and I definitely had uh, those temptations, and I, I grappled with some of those things sometimes. But any time uh, one of those things entered my heart, I had to remind myself that my life was going to be what I made it. I, I really think that the line that separates success from failure most often is attitude, not necessarily outcome. It, because in the <laughs> process of trying to reach my dream, I knew that, that I, I was becoming a better person uh, when, I, when I applied beforehand. And then um, I also knew that whatever I tried to do in life, if I made the best of it after that that experience in Brussels, after those injuries, that I'd be a better person for it. And so each day I kind of had the choice of whether I was going to embrace kind of this anger and frustration or whether I would choose to have a positive attitude. I, I have a little saying uh, that one of my football buddies uh, shared with me. It's pace, positive attitude changes everything. 
And I truly believe that. And it's something I, I've tried to embrace every day of my life ever since I heard it. Um, that, that played a big part for me, just choosing to be optimistic and painting the best picture for myself in my head, not the worst, not the worst situation because yeah. it, it, it is very easy to, to face a bleak future, but I had to tell myself that I could be more than that. Tyler, I have to ask you this because I've been actually thinking about this a lot because everything that I ever get a chance to work on, I always want it to mean something and be like, I don't even, obviously I want everybody to read this book, but I feel like you're, I'm proud of it no matter what. And I want to put projects out that I'm proud of and I believe are good. And I right. think this is a really good story that people can take a lot away from. So I've been thinking, what, what has this taught me um, getting to know you and working with you and all of that? But Tyler, for you, what have you learned and how have you changed maybe as a result of this book? It was huge for me. I mean, I was I was really at a down, down, probably the downest I'd ever been two years ago, as far as like spiritually speaking. You know, I, th- I felt like I was on the edge of a cliff and just clawing my way back up. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if it's years of police work or what it was, but I was really down. And so Mason's story just taught me so much about, I mean, what he's been through is, I haven't been even close to what he's been through. I mean, I haven't had been blown up by a terrorist. I haven't had these injuries, let alone, you know, multiple things so I think it's just taught me that hope's so important. I mean, we have the Vegas shooting, the terrorist attack down the street not long ago here in New York City, and there's so much darkness. Texas, the Texas, Texas church. Texas. Yeah. There's so much trash. Every day we turn on the news and you wake up and it's this happened or this happened, and it's it's so depressing that I think you know life's more than that. We have to turn to hope and, and love and forgiveness. And so I think his story taught me that. To All right, there's a lot of dark things and at days you feel, okay, the world's going to hell, but also there's a lot of positive. And I really think I've learned to focus on those positives, and that's what I love about the book. And to go to chime in a little bit, uh, feel free. based off what Tyler said, I mean, it, it's I think people are scared sometimes when these sorts of things happen. I mean, I, re- I remember the, the first time I went in an airport uh, out, out of the hospital. I, I was I had my head on a swivel, right? I was, I was a little nervous. I was fighting some anxiety uh, in those check-in lines, but... Uh, I've come to realize that hope really is the antidote to adversity. And just because these sorts of things happen doesn't mean we should live our lives over in a, in a different way. Uh, the, the people that do these kinds of things, you talk about you know, the, these mass shootings that have be, you know, been pretty right. prevalent yeah, recently. That obviously, terrorism is a big thing over the last couple of years. Um, these things aren't you know, necessarily going to go away immediately. Um, and I think we have to face that. And we shouldn't be afraid to face that. We, we should have hope in, in better times to come. I think... I think they will go away. I, I think I think we'll, we'll rise above this, and I think people do rise above it all the time. Uh, for us, realizing the the good in people, fi- finding the good to take out of any situation, I think that's what our focus needs to be, and that's what what we try to you know paint in the book is right. this right. idea of hoping the antidote to adversity. Yeah, I think for me, I've spent more time thinking about forgiveness and what it really is. And I think there's a lot of times that people hurt you or they do things or there's just situations where you feel like, you know, you just don't want to be around that person. You don't want to deal with that person. And and in a lot of ways, I've thought, well, OK, if, if Mason can forgive that. I think I can forgive whatever it is that's bothering me, right? Because right? right, there's a few right. things. And look, that's and, not and, to unless, unless it's drivers out on the road, right? Right. Guy that doesn't use their blinker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those people. Well, you know, in New York, oh. yeah, those, there's yeah. not a lot yeah. of self-constraint driving. But I do think, you know, there are things that happen that are really tough. And that, you know, but I think there's a mistake when it comes to forgiveness that we assume it's always about the other person, that it's mm-hmm. always... Really, I, I think that real forgiveness is about 
making sure your heart is not being controlled by hate and and all that. You you never had a chance to talk to any of the terrorists who were involved no. in these attacks, right? Um, so and you never and you will not on this side of you know and probably never will have that chance. So I think having forgiveness is an important thing, and you don't necessarily need the other party. And so that was something I've thought a lot more about. Mm. And, and I think forgiveness is as much about getting past bitterness as it is, you know, forgiving the other person, right? Because as long as you harbor those feelings of uh, frustration or anger towards someone else, you're not doing yourself a service. Consume you're not doing anyone you, really. a service. I mean, it'll just yeah. consume you. Yeah, and so that, that's, that's, I think, a big <laughs> takeaway for me through this entire experience is that letting go of those things is okay. Yeah. I, think, I think we have a hard time coming to terms with that. We, we tend to victimize ourselves. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not innocent of that either, but I, I've had to mentally try to choose to be a survivor, not a victim. And I yeah. think that mentality in and of itself does a lot to help our psyche and to, to push us in the right direction. How are you a different person now than you were? Obviously, we could go all the way back to before yeah, Boston. I have a red hand now. <laughs> yeah. I have skin yes. grafts. But, I mean, and yeah. how many, before I ask you how you're different, how many procedures and surgeries have you had to I have? Mean, depending on how you define a surgery, seven or eight surgeries, another you know six or seven operations, somewhere in that area. It's uh, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, a yeah, lot. it's a lot. Too many. How would you say that you're a different person after Brussels, like comparing yourself before Brussels mm-hmm. to after? I think, well, th- this is going to sound kind of kind of weird or crazy, but I, I feel like I actually have more empathy for people now. Um I, I I definitely know people whose whose hearts were hardened by what happened and it made them a little more cynical and a little angrier towards the world in general. But for myself, after after witnessing the heroes on that day, after witnessing like Michael, uh, Viral, Marianne, some of the people that helped me out, and also after feeling, I think, comfort from from power beyond myself that day. I, I can say without a doubt that God loves all of his children. And I truly believe that. And so for me, it, it makes me think twice about how I treat people and, and how I talk to people. And obviously I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, right? No. Uh, but no, I think just in, embracing that mentality that people are, are tend to be good, that there's, there's genuinely good people out there. Um, I think that's been a big thing for me and choosing to see the good in any situation. Uh, obviously we're going to get hit with hard times no matter who we are. It's, it's how we respond to those hard times that defines us. And that choice is completely up to us. Yeah. It's that whole like life is ninety percent, you know, how you react to things and ten percent what right. happens to you, right? Uh-huh. Which is probably like it really is true. Um, I don't know if the percentages are one hundred percent accurate, but the reality of that statement is true. Right. And I think that you've shown that. And I think when we really think about our lives, that is, we're like, okay, I guess I, guess I have to admit that's your reality. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to ask you before we conclude here is just when you think back to those God moments and the moments feeling like you, okay. I know there's some somebody out there. I know there's a God. Mm. I know He's taking care of me. Are there any specific moments you can think to during these experiences? Yeah, I, I share some of those in the book, and one that I'll talk about because I, I sort of already briefly mentioned it is when I was laying there on that cold sidewalk the morning of March 22nd, 2016, after being essentially blown up by terrorists. Right, I I was facing kind of the bleakest future I, I possibly could. I was, you know, quite literally laying in a pool of my own blood. Um, there was, I, my, my clothes were completely tattered, uh, destroyed. Uh, I was, you know, bleeding. I, I could literally see shrapnel sticking out of my legs. And I, with all the panic going on, I, I, it was literally a, a picture of hell. Um, and what's amazing is it was in those moments as I began to pray uh, during, in the first five, 10 minutes following 
the, the explosion that um, discomfort came over me. It's something I really can't describe. It was, a, it was a realization that someone is there and that they're looking over me. And I, I attribute those feelings and that emotion only to God because I was, I was able to control uh, my, my <laughs> emotion level. I was able to keep my head on my shoulders. I was able to you know, address my own wounds. I, I was able to, to come to terms pretty quickly with what was going on. And I was at peace. And it might sound ironic or, or juxtaposed, but honestly, on that day, March 22nd, one of the craziest days of my life, I also felt uh, some of the most incredible peace I've ever felt my entire life. Which is totally ironic. Yeah, it's, 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 it's completely <clears throat> ironic. Well, listen, this has been great. I'm really glad that the three of us got to sit down and talk through this. We it's actually fun. have yeah. not yet, yeah. but we have not yeah. gotten yeah. to we do need this. To, we need yet. to do this some more. Uh, we gotta, yeah, we got to do it more. Um, well, listen, thank you guys so much. For anybody who is watching or listening, you can grab copies of the book Left Standing on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go to leftstandingbook.com as well. Thank you, guys. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This has been fun.